Well, if you're just joining us, we're in the middle of a series called The Biblical Making of Womanhood, and it has been a fun series, hasn't it? I, I think it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. It's been good. It's been fine. It's been good. My sister, my sister called me this week, and she said, good job. You made me and my husband fight this week. I said, well... I just won't be there at Thanksgiving. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But essentially what we're talking about is we're talking about gender equality. Okay? We're talking about gender equality. And we've, if you've just, you know, just come in the middle of this, we have all of our um, parts of this series um, on YouTube, on Spotify, on our podcast, on our website, um, anchoredhope.church, on Facebook. So you can catch up at any point in time. But I'll catch you up really, really quick. Basically what we've been talking about is this idea of patriarchy. And if you don't know what patriarchy is, um, a historian Judith Bennett gave us kind of an explanation of what it was last week. It's basically that males are the ecclesiastical leaders. So basically what that means is women can't be pastors, women can't be leaders, women can't be, you know, the spiritual leaders in a household or a family. Um, this is all about, you know, the males, that's the male's job, that's a guy's job. And then also we talked about male household heads, meaning that males have to be the head of the household, okay? It's a, it's a male-run family, and the men, they have the final word, and what the men say goes. And then it promotes a society, a society that promotes male authority and female submission, right? Because that's what the Bible says, which we're going to get into that, right? But basically what we've been talking about is we've been looking at a lot of statistics and a lot of studies. And if you look at the statistics or go back to the messages that we talked about previously, so many times if you look at the statistics, women are, you know, the most abused. They're not paid as much as men. And even if you look at the worldview and what the world thinks, I mean, men, men have a hard time and even females have kind of accepted this role as well. We all as a society have a hard time with women in the workplace, women in leadership roles, maybe a woman being president one day, and, and especially women being pastors. Now, if you take those statistics and look at them, you'll see that you know, women have you know, been victims in, in, in this case a lot more times than men. Women are sold into slavery more than, than men are. Men are uh, women make up a, a lot of these cases of assault and battery against a, another male. But also, too, if you, if you look at all these figures and pictures, it's, it's worse when it comes to Christians. When you look at evangelicals, we are even further behind. Evangelicals, statistically, are less comfortable with women in the workplace, women as a boss, women as a CEO, women in leadership, and women as pastors. And so we've been taking a look at this, and really this has been a, a different series than we've ever done before. It's every once in a while, a lot of our series, they're very practical. You'll probably leave with some idea of what you should go and do. But this has been very much kind of like a, I, I guess I could call it like a Bible study, right? Because we've been looking at verses that you've probably heard before, things you've probably heard before, and trying to break those down and understand it. So this series has been different. It's, just, it's more like a Bible study, you could say, right? And so we, we started off with talking about Jesus, Jesus was surrounded himself with so many women. I mean, he, there were women disciples, and he, he hung out with women, and he empowered women, and he included women. He stood up for women. But then when we get to, you know, other people, we looked at, started to look at, at Genesis, right? Because a lot of people who are patriarchs, they start with Genesis, and they go, well, look at this. Look at Adam and Eve. And so we kind of broke that argument apart and tore that up and everything. And so we kind of can see, no, that patriarchy does exist in the Bible, but that's not the way it was intended to be. When men and women were created in the 
garden, they were equals. And cre creation was below humanity. But because of the curse, it screwed up the order of things. And so, yes, women were put under men, and creation was put over man. But the thing is, is that we don't accept that. We're all on a journey to get back to the way it was in the garden, to get to the way things God created them to be. And that's what we hope heaven it will be like. But Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. And we were able to talk a little bit about what Paul said. And Paul, man, Paul gives patriarchs so much ammo, right? And even when I started in this series, I mean, people are like, but what about Paul? But what about Paul? Well, what about Paul? Well, today, finally, we are going to get to Paul. And then next week, what we're going to do this week is we're going to talk about what Paul says about women in the church. Next week, we're going to talk about Paul and what he says about marriage, which will be really fun, right? So we're going to start with today. But we got through this thing that Paul said, and he said this. Paul, Paul himself to the Galatians, he said this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed yourself in Christ. And then he says this. He says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says, this is what the family of God looks like. You guys are getting so caught up on race or gender or master and slave, but in, the, in heaven, we're all in the same heaven together. He's not saying that all of a sudden your sex changes in heaven and there's neither male nor female, there's just a, an it. He's not saying that. He's saying that your culture will still be your culture. Your skin color will still be your skin color. Your race will still be your race. But what he's saying is, is there's no classes. Nobody is under one of the other because Jews thought they were better than Gentiles and men thought they were superior to women. And, and, and masters, of course, thought they, they were you know, above slaves. And he's saying that's not how it is. In Christ Jesus and in the family of God, you are all one and you are all together. So we're going to dig into what Paul says. Okay? But here's the thing. I, I want to break this down. This is really important just in life. Okay? This is important to know as a Christian. And this is what I want to say to you. If, you. if you hear this message today and you completely disagree with me, you're like, that's a bunch of baloney. I don't believe that guy. That's fine. That's good. Okay? You don't need to tell me about it. Okay? Just keep it in your heart. Okay? But you may say, I hate this. I don't believe this. I believe that patriarchy is what the Bible says. And I believe that Paul's instructions are very, very clear on how I need to live. That, you know what? Any woman is, is, should submit to me. They are below me. Men are above. And my wife, she should, as the Genesis says, desire me and submit to me. Right? And as Paul says, that wives should submit to their husbands. This is, this is what I believe. And if you believe that, that's fine. But here's the thing I want to tell you, and this is very important. When it comes to theology, okay, theology, as you know, is, you know, what we believe. Theology is built on the systematic study of Scripture. But in order to have integrity... Beliefs have to be endorsed completely. Okay? Whatever you may believe, and look, I've said this before, I think in heaven there's going to be a lot of different denominations, there's going to be a lot of people that don't all believe the same thing, and maybe this is one of those things that we just agree to disagree on. Guess what? That doesn't make you a sinner or a bad person or anything like that. Then we'll probably both be in heaven and high-five each other, and we probably won't even talk about it anymore. But I do want to give you this warning. Whatever you choose to believe... In order to have integrity, you have to believe it all. So here's the thing. 
We'll take, um, take the Old Testament, for example, right? So when Jesus ushers in the new covenant and the new command, right? The new command, he said, you know, all, those, all that Old Testament stuff, the Ten Commandments, the 613 commandments, 613 laws that made up the Old Covenant, well, guess what? They're gone. And Jesus gave us a new command. He summed up all of that into one. Love God and love your neighbor. And he gave us a new way to have a relationship with him. He's introduced grace to us. And now we are no longer, you know, having to make sacrifices. We are no longer servants. We are now children of God. We have been adopted into his family. And this is the new covenant that God has made with us. Now, many old school, Old Testament, especially Jews, had a huge problem with this. And they said, but I like parts of the Old Testament. I like parts of the law. Can we just can we just blend the two? Can we keep the things we like? Can we keep the things that are convenient for us and just do away for the things we don't like? You know, let's be let's not be progressive. Let's just be like a little progressive, right? Or like let's take like baby steps. Let's keep part of the law. And Peter said you can't do that. Even though there are some parts that are still good, you can't do that. It's either all or nothing. And he said, look, if you Jews are going to keep any part of the law, then you better follow all of the law. You can't have some of the law, and you can't pick and choose which parts of the law you want to follow. It's either all or nothing. So either you're a New Covenant Christian who follows Jesus, or you're an Old Testament law you know, follower of God. That was the warning he gave them. And why did he do this? Because you know this, because it's a practical thing. It's because in order to have integrity, in order to not be a hypocrite, you have to be all in or nothing. And so the thing is, is that when it comes to Paul, if you believe Paul's instructions to be clear, then you must follow his instructions to a T in order to have integrity. Now, I'll break down for you what that looks like really quick. If you took all of Paul's letters and all the places where he talks about women and what they should do in the church, well then, here's what women are not able to do in the church. Women are not able to worship in church because they're supposed to be silent. Women are also not allowed to pray in church. There's some places where he allows them to pray, but even then he says they have to have a covering over their head. And by the way, it also says there that men are not allowed to have long hair. So some of you hippies in here, all right? Time to get rid of that man bun, okay? Because that, that is against Paul's instructions as well. And you know what? Women are not allowed to ask questions until they get home. That's also what Paul says. That's right. You are not allowed to ask questions until you get home. And women are not allowed to serve in the church either. So here's the thing. If you disagree with me today and you are for patriarchy and you take Paul's words and you say, this is black and white, this is clear as day, I believe this is so important. Wives should submit to their husbands and women are submissive to men. Well then, by all means, adopt that belief and believe that, but you had better follow it to a T or you are a hypocrite. You had better follow it to a T. In order to have integrity in this world, you had better follow it to a T. So when you hit those doors, you better look at your wife and say, hey, good luck with that. I know some of your wives, okay? Good luck with that. But you should tell them, okay? You should tell them. As a matter of fact, let's, let's bring it back old school. You know this very room, this very room that we're in? This, this room dates back to the Civil War. And if you look at the original entrance here, you notice that there's two doors. These are now our exits, but there's two doors, and there's a stairway for each door. 
See, back in the day when this was an old school Methodist church, what would happen was is men would enter through the right door and women and children would enter through the left door. And in this very room, there was a four-foot wall that ran right down the middle here. And women and children would sit over here and men would sit over here. And that four-foot wall was so that men didn't have to see the women. Because women and children were a distraction. So, hey, if you believe this, hey, let's bring it back, right? Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Let's make Christianity great again. You know, buy some MACA hats and stuff. You know, let's, let's, let's do this. You guys for that? You good? But here's the thing, dude, here's the thing, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you right now, if you guys are for this, if we're going to go this direction too, we can't let women serve in the church anymore, okay? Which I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, if you look at our serve schedule, 70% of our serve schedule is made up of women. Girls, you're supposed to go, woohoo, okay, whoop, 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 yeah, buddy. All right, I don't know what you do. Anyway, but, <laughs> all right, then that means none of the women can serve. So here's the thing, right? Our whole children's department, minus Wes and Bo. <laughs> Chad, you better be in the nursery next week, brother. I mean, that's... That's where things are headed, right? I mean, that, that's where we're going. Seriously, if we're going to have integrity, that's, that's what we have to do. But now, see, here's what you say. You go, well, now, it's 2021, Pastor. It's 2021, Pastor. Let's, uh, let's let the women serve in the church. Let's let the, especially kids' department, right? Let's let them teach, let's let them teach in the nursery, right? Let's let them, uh, let's let them make us my, my chai tea. If I don't have my chai tea, Pastor, I'm a... Uh, I'll be upset, so let's keep that, you know? I mean, but here's the thing. Here's what you're doing. You're, you're picking and choosing which, which rules you want to follow based on what's convenient for you, right? And see, no wonder young people are leaving the church in droves because when you do that, you know what you're called? You're called a hypocrite, and you have no integrity because it seems like you want to keep the rules. You want to keep the verses in the Bible that are convenient for you that make your life easier. But you don't want to follow all of them. So you pick and choose which ones you want. And you can't do that. No. Because people look at you and say, man, you're fake. You have no integrity. You can't do that. So we're going to take a look at what Paul writes to the Corinthians. There's two major places where Paul writes the church. And if you don't know anything about Paul, I'll catch you up really quick. Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the law so, so very well. He knew the law so very well, and he was on the bad side of things. He was all about the temple model, and he knew all about the Old Testament. He taught it. But whenever Christianity broke out, he became a bounty hunter of Christians. He persecuted the church for about 20 years. But then 20 years after Jesus left, he has this encounter with God, and he becomes a Christian. He swaps sides. And when he swaps sides, he becomes such a, a huge leader in the church. He becomes a church planner. He's responsible for so much of the church growing throughout Asia Minor. In, in the Roman Empire, and as he plants these church, he starts to light them, write them letters, giving them instructions on, on how to conduct church, on how to, how to be a Christian, what it means to, to follow Christ, and what the law of Christ means, and he, he writes so much theology and so many practices that we, we still talk about and we love today. Now, one thing I want to remind you of is that, you know, one thing we get wrong about the Bible, when, the New Testament, when they sat down and they penned these things, they had no idea that they were writing the Bible, okay? So important to remember this. They never got out a pen and said, you know what, today's, let's just write a, a, a historical document that will last 2,000 years, you know? Here's, here's what I want to tell the whole world. They weren't doing that. They were writing a specific people in a specific time, specific things that were intended for them. 
So sometimes we take things out of context, and so we have to understand the context. We have to understand the time these things were written and whom they were written to and what they meant for the people who were listening to those words. It's not as easy as you think. It's not as black and white and as clear as it always seems. So we have to understand and we have to study. This is why I'm very much against reading the Bible in a year. I get that that's a cool notch in your belt, Christians. But the thing is, is I think you blow past so many important things. It takes too much time to decipher and to decode and to understand what is really truly being said in front of you. So this is Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. This is what he says about women. He says, women should remain silent in the churches. Then he says, they are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. All right, so there it is, right? No more woohoos, ladies. Okay, there it is. Supposed to remain silent in the church, not allowed to speak, must be in submission as the law says. And then he goes on. And he says, if they want to inquire about something, meaning ask a question, they, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Disgraceful. Disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Well, there it is. All right? Great. We can all get to Applebee's before the Baptists do. Let's pack it up. Ladies, you all understand what you're going to do next week. Guys, there's going to be a sign-up sheet for nursery. All right? Let's just call it good and move on. Right? But we know that's not true. We know there's more to it than that, right? So the thing is, there's so much here to unpack, but one of the things that sticks out to me most is that I know that Paul was not for patriarchy just in how he writes. If you want to go back during those same time periods and, and see what was written about women, and if you compare it to what, um, I, I guess you could say, modern-day poets or, or modern-day authors wrote, it's so very different compared to what Paul writes and how he writes and who he's writing to. You take the words of Aristotle as an example, right? If you wanted to go look at what Aristotle said about women's position in the world, listen to this. This is uh, from his uh, book called Politics, okay, if you've ever read Aristotle's piece called Politics, this is in there. He says, and I'm going to read this in a, in a very Aristotle uh, voice. For although there may be exceptions to the order of nature, the male is by nature fitter for command than the female. The inequality is permanent. The courage of a man is shown in commanding of a woman obeying. Next slide, please. As the poet says of women, silence is a woman's glory, but this is not equally the glory of man. I do a pretty good Aristotle, don't I? Nailed it. Sound just like him. Oh my goodness, right? But I mean, look at that. Look at how he's saying. Number one, notice this. He's writing to men. Okay? He's writing two men and he's saying, guys, this is what you need to do with your woman. And he says, silence, silence is a woman's glory, but this is not equal to a man. A man is so much fitter. Look at them. I mean, this is, just look at how they look. It's just, it's proven that they should command and women should not be in command. Now that is pretty direct and to the point. I mean, I wouldn't, there's nothing I would unpack from Aristotle and go, well, maybe he doesn't like patriarchy. Oh no, this is, he loves patriarchy, okay? Right? I'd hate to be married to Aristotle. 
But when you look at the words of Paul back to this very letter in Corinthians, three times in just this chapter, listen to who he addresses. Now, brothers and sisters. And the next one, just a few verses later, he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. Now, hold on a minute. If Paul were for patriarchy, why would he write a woman? I mean, women are supposed to go to men to find out what they're supposed to do. You mean he wrote a letter and he said, dear men and dear women. That's right. He wrote to men and he wrote to women and he wrote to masters and he wrote to slaves. And he wrote to all of them. Why? Because each of them had a part to play. And for each of them, he wanted them to have the freedom to choose what they felt like God wanted them to do. Because he viewed men and women and slaves and masters and Jews and Gentiles all as equals. He didn't write the upper class like Aristotle did. He didn't write just the men. He wrote men and he addressed women because he expected that some of these letters would be taken to women and it would be put into a woman's hand and she would be able to decide between her and God what she was called to do and how she was supposed to live. And then... If we, if, we, if we look at, if we find even more uh, clues of what uh, Paul is actually trying to say, if we go back to what we just read, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. Now, here's the thing. Again, you've got to stop and you've got to take a look at this with a magnifying glass and try to understand this. As the law says, what law do you think he's talking about? You think, when you read that, he's talking about Old Testament law. He, you think he's talking about the law of God. But what's so interesting about this letter in particular to Corinth is that when Paul is talking about the law of God, he gives it a capital L and a capital T in the. He says, you know, as it says in the law, well, he's giving it authority, right? He's giving it authority. He's saying that's the Old Testament law. You guys know the law, capital L, capital T, the law. But when he talks about it here, it's a lowercase law. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about Roman law. He's talking about where they lived, their law. See, here's what you may or may not know, is that it was Roman law at that time for women to be submissive to men. Women were not allowed to speak in public. Women were not allowed to worship in public. Women needed to cover their heads in order to pray. And remember that the church is oppressed during this time too. So they were very, very strict on these laws. But for all Roman women and all citizens of this, of this empire, women were not allowed to, to make financial transactions by themselves. They always needed a man. And, and women were also not allowed to do any business in the courts by any means. Everything had to go through the men that they had in their life. Either through their husband, and then if they weren't married, their closest male heir. So they had to go through their father or they had to go through their brother. There was nothing that they could do. The law, Roman law stated that they needed to remain silent and they were not allowed to speak. They were supposed to be in submission in any way you could think of. Now, then it got even worse. In 215 B.C., Rome takes a beating. Rome takes the worst beating that they've ever taken. They, they lose a battle, and in one day, one day, they lose 70,000 soldiers. 70,000 men are suddenly killed in one day. And so they go home, they get beaten Cana, and they go home, and they are just 
beat to death. 70,000 men are gone. Well, guess what that means? There's no more males. <laughs> There's no men. There's no husbands. 70,000 fathers, brothers, uh, hu- husbands, all dead. And so all of a sudden, they go home, and all these women are like, I'm free. Ooh. They get their inheritance. They get their inheritance. They get all their husband's money. And all of a sudden, there's no male to tell them what to do. So women, during that time of Rome, they started to wear elegant dresses. They had carriages. Women ruled the world. Beyonce would have loved it there. And so it was just all women everywhere, and they lived this extravagant, glorious lifestyle. They started to have all these big girl parties, okay? And they're like, who runs the world? Girls. Who runs the world? Girls. I mean, they started to have an awesome time. And so the Roman government, they said, oh, this is going to stop. This cannot happen. So they put a law in place. They put a law in place that said that some women had to give up their inheritance. Women could not wear luxurious clothes. They needed to sell them. And women could not ride in carriages. And so they wanted, what they wanted to do is push all these women to have to give money back. Give money back to the government. And so then the government took all that money and they they took it and they built their army back up and they bought soldiers and they bought weapons and stuff. And then they used all that to go back and to beat the people who had beat them previously before. But guess what? When they came back from that battle, they didn't reverse the law. They told everybody, like governments do, this is just temporary, don't worry. Wink, 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 wink. But guess what? They kept it in place because it served them and it was better for them. So women still didn't receive their inheritance and women still couldn't wear luxurious clothes. They still couldn't have parties. They couldn't, still couldn't ride in carriages. And so guess what the women did? They protested. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, there we go. Now the whoop, whoop, it's back, right? The women protested. They went into the streets. They blocked the area. One of the most devastating things they did is they stood in front of the entrance of the forum and did not allow men in. So women were, were public enemy number one. Cato, Cato, there's a, there's a writing in, in, in Roman history with this man named Cato the Elder. He wrote this. This is what he said. He said, at home, our freedom is conquered by a female fury. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to use that on my wife today. I'm going to say, you're a female fury, right? (laughs) Here at the forum, it is bruised and trampled upon. And because we have not contained the individual, we fear the lot. What kind of behavior is this? Then he goes on. He says, running around in public, blocking streets and speaking to other women's husbands. Could you not have asked your own husband the same thing at home? It is not fitting for you to concern yourself with what laws are being passed or repealed here. Then he finishes up. He says, our ancestors did not want this. If they are victorious, meaning women, if they're victorious now, what else will they attempt? As soon as they begin to be your equals, they will have become your superiors. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is some of what he just said is word for word what Paul said, right? He mentions women being quiet. He says, why can't these women just wait till they go home and talk to their own husbands? Why are they talking to other people's husbands? They shouldn't talk to any other men but their husbands, right? Wow, sounds a lot like Paul. Now, there's a couple ways you could go with this. And this is what I feel like is, is strongest when, when you're doing a study of this scripture. 
There are so many places in this letter alone where what Paul loved to do, Paul was such a a genius pastor and speaker. What he would do is he would take something that was culturally relevant, like a cultural saying, something that everybody said, and he would quote it to them, and then he would try to redirect them and tell them how that was wrong, right? Take, for instance, this, right? Paul, in the same letter, he says, I have the right to do anything, which again, if you want to be that one Christian, you can go, did you know that Paul in that one verse says that you have the right to do anything? Well, you have to read more than that, okay? Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, because this was something they would say. But not everything is beneficial. You guys also say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So Paul, all the time when he wrote these people in these cultures and in these places, he would say, you say this, but I'm telling you, it's actually this way. So now, knowing what we know and in the context that we have, let's go back and read what Paul said. And I'm going to read verses 34, then 35, and then I want you to hear 36 when I get to it. This is what he said after all this instruction that he gives. I want you to listen to what he says next, and you tell me what you think, all right? So in verse 34, let's go back. He says, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. You know, like the law says... Then he goes on. He goes, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Next thing. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? Do you hear the difference? I love the Revised Standard Version. The Revised Standard Version says almost the same thing, except for it says, what? What? So put that together, okay? Women should stay silent in the church. They really need to wait till they get home to speak to their husbands. What? <laughs> that is whack, is what Paul would say, right? <laughs> what? Um, excuse me, did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the people that has reached? Do you see the difference that that makes? To read it as black and white and to read it as instruction from Paul... And then to see Paul in the very next verse go, what? Um, excuse me? Hold on a minute. Really? Paul wasn't giving instructions to people. I really do believe that. I don't think Paul was giving instructions to women about how they needed to be silent, about how they needed to be quiet, about how they needed to to not ask questions until they got home. I think Paul was quoting what everybody heard other men saying, what people like Cato heard, what people like uh, Aristotle and Cato wrote. And then he looks at that and goes, "This this is what it says, and this is how the law says it. What? Are you kidding me? Did the, did, the, did the word of God originate with who? Who do you think you are? And I believe that even more so in what he says in the very next verse. So Paul continues on. He goes, therefore, in the other words, he's saying, let me tell you what I think about this. He says, my brothers and, say it with me, sisters. My brothers and sisters. That's right. All the girls in the house. Be eager to prophesy. What? I thought they were supposed to be quiet. Prophecy? You kidding me? That's a step further than just allowing them to talk. He's telling them to preach. He's saying, ladies, brothers, everybody, prophesy. They tell you to be quiet. They tell you to be silent. They tell you you need to submit. What? Did the word of God originate with them? Let me tell you something. I want you to prophesy. 
I want you to speak. I want you to speak truth. I want you to be a light. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's right. I want you to do that too. I want you to be praying. I want you to be worshiping all my brothers and sisters. And everything, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So he's saying, look, let's not fight back. Let's, let's keep this in an orderly fashion, all right? We don't want to, we got to be careful. But let's, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to, to prophesy. I want you to, to preach. I want you to, to do ministry. I believe with all my heart through my studies that there is no way that Paul was a patriarch. There were probably remnants of it from his culture, from being a Pharisee as long as he was. But I truly believe that in all things, Paul was for women in ministry. He was for women prophesying and praying and teaching and speaking and being equals with other men. And I believe that even more so if you look at what he wrote in Romans 16. In Romans 16, 16, this is 16 verses, and look, this is a long verse, and half of these names I can't pronounce, but so I'm just going to run through them really quick. But he says, he says in his very opening lines of Romans, he says, I commend to you my sister, Phoebe, it's the only one I got, guys, a deacon of the church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. And then he goes on. He says, Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers, my co-workers, but wait a minute, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. I thought women weren't supposed to speak. I thought women weren't allowed to do that. But Paul seems to have a lot of women co-workers, right? They risked their lives for me. He says, greet also uh, the, the church that meets in their house. Wait, they have a house church? They're pastors? They have a house church, and they're the leaders of it? That's, that's crazy. Greet my dear friend. I don't know what her name is. Uh, who is the first co convert to Christ? Greet Mary, who worked very hard for me. He goes through all these different names, these people who are prison with me, and they're outstanding. He says they're outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet my other friends. Greet my other coworkers, my dear friends, all of them who have stood the test of time and stood beside me. He keeps going on. He says, greet those who belong to th these different households, my fellow Jews, those who are with me in the Lord, those women who work hard in the Lord. He keeps going on, and he just keeps continuing to name all of these different women and their mamas. He says, oh, here's a guy. But hey, say hello to his mama for me because I love her, man. That's my top mama right there. That's my big mama. That's my spiritual mama right there. You make sure you take care of her, right? And then he keeps going on. And he says all of these different women's names. And he says all the churches of Christ send your greetings. In the first 16 verses of his letter to Rome, he mentions 25 women who he has done ministry with. Do you still think Paul is a patriarch? He surrounded himself with women. He did ministry with women. He prayed with women. He worshiped with women. And then if we go back to the letter that we've been studying today, 1 Corinthians, I love what Paul says when he's talking about prayer and, and women covering their heads and men not having long hair and through all of this. He says, nevertheless in the Lord, woman is not independent of man. And a patriarch would go, that's right. Amen. But he says, they're not independent of women, but nor, nor is a man independent of a woman? What? And then he says, for as a woman, 
came from man. That's what patriarchs say, right? In Genesis, a woman came out of a man. So therefore, and he goes, yeah, you know what? A woman came out of a man, but a man also comes out of a woman now. And that's why they're equal. Because everything, 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 everything comes from God. So, you want to hear my point for today? This is my point. Jesus empowered, included, and stood up for the rights of women. And guess what? Paul empowered, included, and stood up for the rights of women. We'll get to the marriage stuff next week. And that's a layup. This was the hardest one. But I want you to understand that the words of Paul, to truly understand them, you have to do a deep dive investigation into the context and to what he says throughout that letter, not in just those few verses. Don't be that Christian ever. Don't be that Christian ever who picks and chooses what he wants to believe because if you do, the world will look at you and they will say to you, you have no integrity. You have no room to stand on. You are on shaky ground when you pick and choose what you want to believe because it's convenient for you because you're a white male. We cannot do that. The truth is there. The word of God is there. There are some things that are so clear, but there are things that are there so clear because you examine them and you go, my goodness, look at how serious Jesus is about this. Look at how serious Jesus is uh, about lust and about adultery and about marriage and about equality and all of these issues about violence. Look at how clear Jesus is, but you have to do a deep dive investigation. And see, and that's what so many Christians, what scares them about me even doing this, is they say, well, what about, what about this verse, and what about this verse? Be careful, because that group may find out, and if it's not black and white, and if it takes investigation, you know, watch out, because we are, we are going to get into a big mess about what's true or what's not. You mean we might have to have an, a discussion about it? You mean we might have to study, we might have to talk, we might have to work through it? Well, here's the thing, I'm okay with that as a pastor, I'm okay with investigating into the scripture. Don't call me honey, Mike. That's weird, all right? <laughs> I'm okay with having those discussions. I'm okay with having that deep dive into scripture. It's, I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm comfortable with it because I want to figure it out too. And so for us, as far as our church goes, I believe with all my heart that, that, that Paul, that Jesus would want us to empower, include, and stand up for the rights of women. I'm going to ask Ashley to come up. Ashley, everybody welcome Ashley up to the stage real quick. I'm excited, and I, I swear, I told Ashley, I said, this was, not, this was not planned, like, before we wrote the series or anything like that. But, uh, you know, what's really cool to me is two years ago at our trunk retreat in 2019, um, Ashley and Jason came in, just as guests, just people bringing their kids to a trunk or treat, uh, dressed as Dwight and Angela from the office. <laughs> and I remember because I was standing right there, right there on that handicap entrance because it was raining and we had to move everything inside. And I remember I saw them and it caught my eye and I laughed and I gave them a thumbs up and I said, that's cool. And I went and told everybody, I said, did you see the Dwight and Angela, you know? And I had no clue that I was about to meet Ashley and Jason. And Ashley and Jason... In the two years they've been here, have served on our worship team, 
Ashley this summer took over our youth program. And, and I told Ashley when she took over the youth, I, I said, I said let, me, uh, let me tell you, you know, what, what's possible here. And it's up to you. It's between you and God. I said, but, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to continue to serve in this capacity, I, I, I'm excited for you. But if you also ever feel at a certain point that you feel called to ministry, we would love to go through that journey with you as well. If this is not just a volunteer thing, but if this is a, a calling by God to minister to these young people, let me know. And there's a good chunk of time she took to talk to between her and God and she came back to me and we had staff meeting and she said oh by the way I feel like God's calling me to ministry and so on Monday night the leadership team and I met and we gave Ashley her very first local license as a pastor and we were to able to take funds that were recently donated to us that we're not budgeted for, but that were recently donated to us to hire her throughout the rest of the church year till April 1st of next year. We were able to hire her, and she is now also a part-time member of our staff. And here's the thing. I am so proud of Ashley and Jason. You know, this is the thing. People sometimes will give me a hard time for things like trunk or treat or chili cook-offs or whatever it may be. And they go, oh, that's, that's. I had a Baptist tell me once, that's not ministry. That's just a party. And you know what? A party is what opened the doorway for Ashley and Jason to walk into this space and to meet this family. And to not only become part of this family, but to become leaders in this family. To have a call of ministry on her heart where she wants to give her life away to your young people, to your teenagers, every Wednesday night and throughout that week. Those things do matter. They matter because they have a purpose and God can take anything and use it for good. So here's the thing, when it comes to Ministry, I fully support Pastor Carrie's ministry. I fully support Pastor Ashley's ministry as well. I am 100% by them, and I think that their call is equal to mine and equally as important to mine as well. And I think that any woman who serves or joins us in our ministry is as equally important. I believe that every single one of those female teachers down there in that room right now are speaking into your kids' hearts. And speaking into your kids' lives. I believe that Miss Essie, who taught me Sunday school all throughout grade school, that her call in my life was just as important, was as equal to mine. The seeds that she planted in my life are because or why I am who I am today. That my sister, who's in ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now, that her call to ministry is, as e is equal to mine and just as important to mine, and she is doing the Lord's work. I believe that. And I honor that. And I will always do my best to protect that. Because I believe in it. What about you? Again, if you don't agree with me, 
that by all means, you don't have to. It's fine. We can disagree on this. But please, in order to have integrity, I'm taking what I believe, and I will make sure that my integrity is intact, and I will, I will make sure that I cover the holes, and I will make sure that I am never considered a hypocrite by mistreating another woman. But if you want to believe in patriarchy, if, if you want to take Paul's words in a different direction, I get it. I understand. You could do that. You could make a case for it. You, you're not crazy by any means. And you may even be right and I may be wrong. But if you do do it, please, for the sake of the word Christian today, please carry it out to the full. Don't go halfway. Don't pick and choose. Carry it out and have integrity as you do it. But for me, I want to end today praying for all of our women who serve in our church. I, I want to pray for Pastor Carrie, and I want to pray for Ashley as she begins this journey. And I want to pray that we would be a church that loves in the way that Jesus loved. And I want to be a church that loves in the way that Paul loved in Romans 16. So would you bow your heads with me today? Father God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for, I thank you for Pastor Carrie's call on her life. I thank you for... Pastor Ashley and the call that you've put on her life. I pray that you would see her through this journey, that you would show her what it is that you've called her to do. As this journey and this experience is brand new, would you just continue to help her as she seeks wisdom and endurance in ministry? Would she not be burned out? Would she, would she be able to discover the joys of ministry along with those burdens, Lord? God, would you be with all of our teachers in the back? all of our teachers and our nursery workers and, and those in the toddler classroom and the pre-K classroom and the grade school classrooms. Be with our, our youth sponsors who are small groups leaders right now. And would you just fill them up with your spirit, Lord? Would they be examples that our young people look up to and say, I'm going to be like them? Would you use them to speak life and truth and light into these young people's minds and hearts, God? Would you use our church and our ministry? Would it, would it be a ministry that, that comes together through all of our brokenness, through all of our mistakes, through whatever means it is that we get here? Would you take us and would you use us as a church family to minister and to love those that are all around us, God? Lord, that's my prayer, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, will you guys give it up for Ashley just one more time? Well, I am so glad that you joined us today for this special Sunday. Would you guys stand up? We're going to turn the lights on. Come next week for the conclusion of the series, but I hope you guys have a terrific Sunday afternoon.